peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. Today we have Christian. Good morning. And we have Brooke. We have a really cool podcast for you guys today, actually. It's probably been one that um, I, you know, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like alcohol and athletic performance is something that a lot of people don't ever tie together. And if they do, they tie it together in terms of celebration. And the reason I bring that up for is coming from the ultra endurance world, beer after a long either 100-mile race, 50-mile race, or 50K race, and also during eight stations, I've seen this happen, um, people will consume alcohol. Well, did you see that Michelob Ultra is sponsoring CrossFit events? I did not see that. Yeah, I saw that shit, and I laughed at it. It's, I mean, it's, is that worse than having Coca-Cola sponsor a CrossFit event or anything else like that? Oh, I don't think it's worse at all. I, I, you know, I just had myself a a laugh because it is like the beer of beer. That's so funny. Michelob light. There are carbohydrates in beer, but not enough for it to actually be fuel or recovery. See, and that's, and that's again, right? We, we can talk and that's what we're talking about this Mm because is it going to benefit you at all? Like during an event or after an event, some will say, yes, I drank 10 beers after my hundred mile race. And I feel like a new man today. Some might say they feel like they got hit by a, a train where we can go. Was it the all car? Or was it the lack of your training volume <laughs> to get you ready for that race? Uh, or a nasty combination. I would say both. We're going to talk about the effects of ingesting a mild poison. It's, on your training. Uh, well, and what I want to do is I want to open this up and talk, and let's do some anecdotal experience, uh, evidence or experience or however you want to look at it. Because uh, I haven't drank in about, I mean, I'll have a glass of wine randomly throughout, you know, whenever, but I don't drink. Yeah. I, I, I don't at all. That's just not my, my poison. I have other poisons that I like to utilize. But... I have came, or I have come, sorry, you need to make, use the words better. I have come from a background in the military where that's all you did was you pounded alcohol and you went and either did your job or you went and did fitness mm. next, right? Like, that. I mean, I used to, we had this thing called the 5K Crown Royal Run down at First Recon Battalion back in, you know, where it, you would sit with the buddies on a Friday or Saturday night and put down a bottle of Crown Royal and then see how fast you can run a 5K. Oh. And the way you would lose is if you threw up during the run. Wait, a whole bottle? Like, you share it with the buddy. And it's it, the good size bottles, you know, the, the, the good tall, the good tall. God damn it. The 750s or the whatever? The 750s, yeah. I would die. Oh, there was. Oh, it makes my stomach hurt thinking about it. The end of it, like when we would do this, it wasn't a. <laughs> it hurt. Yeah, I never ran my best five k off of it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, or or we would uh we would consume alcohol all night and have a twelve mile ruck run the next morning, and I proceeded to put Pedialyte and vodka in my camel back. I would do it and go ahead and keep running because my mindset at that time period. This was young, dumb George. Now <laughs> older, smarter, wiser George. It was oh, I'm getting hydrated and I'm getting drunk at the same time. Why not? Well, is it just an urban myth that if you're drunk, you won't register the the pain of endurance the same way? Like that's I've, one of the myths that I was researching is people. That's why they'll use it. Is it's kind of tricks your mind into thinking you're fine when you're not. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I never felt pain when I was that young. It was, <laughs> it was kind of one of those things where you were just told to shut your brain off and uh, just go. So I didn't change that mindset until I had a, until I had Big Daddy Croft who uh, who was like, "Come here, Sergeant Briones." I was like, "What's up, Master Guns?" And he was like, "What do you think about when you're running a ruck run?" And I was training for the 2013 or 12 Recon Challenge, and I was like, "Top." I turn my brain off and just go straight to the pain zone and like don't want to feel anything. And I just get after it. And he's like, that's why you're JV and not varsity. Ooh, and I was stud. like, boom. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? He's like, you need to be as into the zone as possible. When I say zone, that means you need to be in the, in the moment feeling everything so you can maintain proper posture moving properly, keeping your heart rate down. And I, and at that time period, I was like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like I was, I was obviously, you know, an instructor at the schoolhouse at the time period. And I was like, man, that makes complete sense. And ever since then, that's kind of what I've always done now. Right. It's like, if I do a training session, like it's a training session, my mind's in it. I'm focusing on instead of like being like, no, I'm going to turn my brain off and avoid every single experience that comes into this. Mm. And I'm like, no, you know what? I'm gonna turn my brain on and actually enjoy the experience. And I think that's what's catered me to the ultra endurance realm now is because I'm just in it. Like, I mean, I just got back from a race in Tahoe. Everyone knew I was supposed to run Tahoe 200 family life came. I had a new baby decided not to, didn't put enough training volume in decided to drop down to Tahoe 100k. Did not complete the 100k, still not enough training volume, but I got a 35 miles in with 7k and climbing in Tahoe and about Crown eight. Royal. And no, no booze, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I was able to finish in a sub eight hours and 30 minutes, right? Like that was, that was cool to see. And, and I only went to go do it because I wanted to work through things in my head. Mm. And that was the only reason, right? And like that there kind of was like, oh, this isn't a thing that I do for just like a sport. I do this thing to enjoy the experience so it can help reshape my mind and how I want. So now when we go and look at how alcohol and athletic performance ties in together. I think that does, that takes away the experience that you can have to become better, right? Like, I mean, people have been following me over, we've been, I've been on podcasts now with you guys for us for over years now. And the change that we've had, especially me, it's, it's kind of now it's like, I want to enjoy the experiences through physical effort. And I don't want to have alcohol in my system. That's going to hinder me from, from having that happen. Yeah. And the recreational consumption of alcohol and the mindset behind it is standing in the way of a lot of people's progress. Like if, if you watch an athlete who drinks regularly, kick alcohol automatically, they'll lose 10 pounds. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that seems to me pretty repeatable. This is an interesting subject uh, to me. Cause I, I also, I, I don't drink very much, man. I haven't drank a lot. Wow. You guys are making me feel bad. I enjoy some red wine. Oh man! Well, and <laughs> it's it's hard not to it's, drink. It's all my friends do, but it yeah. makes me shit. It makes me shit a lot. If I like two beers, oh. will wreck me for like two days. I'm such a I'm, I'm such a pussy when it comes to beer now. Like mm -hmm. I put beer in my system, and I think it has to do with all the gluten and the yeast in it. Yeah. And and if anybody is looking at beer, I'm not I'm not sponsored by this company or anything else. I've just tried it before. Sufferfest beer it actually has electrolytes in it. And it's gluten-free. Yeah, Sufferfest beer. Sufferfest beer. They're not sponsoring CrossFit events. They're, <laughs> they they're, they're gluten-free, and they have electrolytes in it. Interesting. Huh. I had two beers after a 10-hour day on my feet doing some sweeping up at the Kodiak 100, and I had two of them afterwards. I've been out for 10, 10 hours and whatever else. Welcome next morning, no problems. That's awesome. Yeah. Crazy, right? Like, again, I don't drink. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. when I say I don't want to say I don't drink, because I, I don't drink recreationally. 
I will have a little bit here and, and, and just for fun. But that was the last time I drank was, was that no problems, none whatsoever. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Again, I wouldn't go and buy the beer now and drink it on a <laughs> recreational level, but it was cool to be able to see that, you know, as we are seeing technology evolve and we're starting to see people evolve, we're starting to see now like a beer Again, is it good for you? No, but they took out some of the properties that actually make it worse for you. Yeah, they're making less poisonous poison. <laughs> well, one of the things that kind of blows my mind is if you talk about what's recommended for Americans is moderate consumption of alcohol. It's one drink a day for women, average, not like every day, two for men. Huh. But two drinks isn't even, if you drink two beers, that's still over the limit because it's, I think the serving size doesn't actually equal what you get in like a bottle of craft beer. Uh. So you really, it should be really low, but I think that I'm a big fan. Tell me what you guys think, but I just don't think regular alcohol consumption on a daily basis should be a thing. No, I think it has a place in your life. If that's something you enjoy in moderation, but not every day. Like I would pick a night or two a week. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why I really agree with that, and especially right now I'm getting deep down the, the rabbit hole sports, sports rehab and the psychology of it. Um, and it's crazy to see how stress actually has a huge, huge, uh, decrease, you know, in our athletic performance from mental cueing, from understanding how to move properly from, you know, aerobic performance as well as our recovery aspect, right? Like, Stress reactivity, right, is 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 what increases the stress levels in our system. And what ends up happening from those stress levels being increased, we now see our performance down, you know, you know, have a downfall. And alcohol causes stress to the gut, right? That's where I wanted to bring that in is alcohol causes metabolic stress. Mm. Well, guess what happens when we have metabolic stress? Now we're going to have psychological stress because our gut's not working properly. And me and Brooke have talked about this all the time. Our gut's our second brain, right? Like, hey, whatever you had to eat for that day or the day prior is going to have an effect on your cognitive performance as well. And what does that do to your hormones and for how long? Exactly, right? Like you now start talking about hormones and, and all the other good stuff. And we see hormones decrease. We start seeing the lack of sex drive. We start seeing the lack of motivation. We start seeing serotonin. We can talk about like the endocrine system just goes completely fucking to shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I think is interesting is so you're talking about how basically you have this rapid emptying of the GI for you. That's how you respond. So what also that's, that's one way to put it. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> uh, well, you know, explosive. <laughs> but the what that's also going to do is it's going to hinder these nutrients from being absorbed that you actually need from food. What happens is alcohol takes metabolic priority. Your body is, like you mentioned earlier, trying to clear this toxin. And so it's not going to care about the big steak and veggie meal that you had. And you're losing all of those yeah. nutrients and you're not actually getting from food what you need for fuel. And for someone who um, is a binge drinker or has chronic alcohol use, you're actually going to see the intestine is going to not have the ability to absorb nutrients in a normal way. Things like vitamin B12, thiamine, and folate, which are crucial for everyday processes in the body, you're going to have a hard time absorbing those. And so when I worked in the hospital, we would see this a lot. Alcoholics would come in, they hang a banana bag, which has all the vitamins and minerals associated with chronic alcohol use that you're not getting that you need. Hmm. And you'll start to see cognitive decline and I mean, all kinds of issues if that's part of your life. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind is 
yeah, you might have some mild discomfort after drinking, but if you're someone who does that regularly, you could really be putting your health at risk. Man, what it was like to be in the 82nd. <laughs> <laughs> we drank, but there was no structure or like competitive element. No. You know, like you guys had, we just drank. Well, that's the thing though. It was a, it was a normal thing to get off of work at two or three o'clock in the afternoon and walk across the street to the PX and buy a 30 rack mm-hmm. and have that 30 rack done within four hours. Wait, so explain to me, what is a 30 rack? A 30 rack is a 30 rack of Coors Light. 30 beers? Uh-huh. Oh, I used to put down beer like it was a, like I was a, a champ. I mean, Coors oh, Light I can is drink like with water. the best of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think it tastes like water to me, but 30. Uh-huh. I mean, like, when I say I can drink like the best of them, like people who personally know me know that I can drink, which is the reason why I don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I do think age plays a role. There's obviously a lot of different <laughs> yeah. things oh, that God. affect alcohol, but you all were probably much younger while you were engaging in this, and now you couldn't pull that off. When I turned 26, man. Oh, God. Here we go. Well, and if I, I'm having a housewarming party this month, Oh boy! I'm I'm I, I set aside that one day of, <laughs> to just let it rip. Yeah, to make up for all of the days that I did not drink. This and that's year, and that's the money. and that's the military problem thinking right there, right? I'm going to bring <laughs> the psychological side of things. That's it right there, right? Is like this aspect of I haven't drank for four months, or I haven't drank mm-hmm. for seven months. I've missed out on all this life. Let me go ahead and just go rage as hard as fucking possible <laughs> and make up for those seven months, and then let's go and see someone going to shit their brains out. Um, I'm going to be the wet blanket and give the disclaimer (laughs) that even this acute uh, alcohol consumption and binge drinking, basically, it still has negative effects on your cardiovascular health, liver disease and cancer. But just for like a day, right? Still, you can do some damage. (laughs) This is my asterisk, not promoting, but also going to beat the housewarming party enjoying myself too. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait for all of my coworkers Uh, and superiors to see this. so one thing that, you know, one thing that you, you said, right, cardiovascular health is a big thing that a lot of people don't realize. And one thing I want to talk about is aerobic deficiency. All right. And aerobic deficiency pretty much means that your body doesn't understand how to utilize oxygen in the system, right? Your body officially doesn't know how to use oxygen. If I was to go ahead and take Christian right now, hey, let's go for an easy run. My heart rate could stay at a 110. His heart rate would spike up to a 150. Uh-huh. That is the best way that I can go ahead and be like, hey, but again, Christian's not an aerobic athlete, right? He doesn't have the aerobic properties in the system because he hasn't trained that. So let's go ahead and take someone now who has, who is overweight, doesn't understand nutrition, is aerobic deficient, and drinks alcohol all the time. Now we try and put him in a training program, right? But we forgot everything outside the gym. We forgot, oh... By the way, they're still drinking their nutrition. We go ahead and be like, oh, you can have one beer a day. Just have one beer a day and you, with your clean meal that you're eating. Well, guess what that one beer does to your eating, even if you're eating clean? It just takes away everything that you've worked for due to the fact of the, of the, of the problems that we do see from alcohol. Again, I'm not saying that alcohol needs to be banded or whatever else. We just need to understand that the effects that come from it and developing the awareness of being like, hey, if I drink this beer tonight, I can't go tomorrow and hammer it down. Mm-hmm. I might now need to take a recovery day and focus on eating clean, putting down a whole bunch of water. And if I want to go and do something easy, go out for a nice little hike easy bike ride that keeps my heart rate below 130 without causing any more stress because I already know that the alcohol just increased stress in my system, right? And that's where I think the connection is, the the connection is broken. Yeah. Well, a big thing is people, no matter what, are going to do it. But like you mentioned, 
it's important to fuel, especially post-exercise, to start the recovery process in an effective way. So if you can make sure you're rehydrating, you're eating a good meal, then you have a beer, Mm. you can still negate some of that. Yeah. So that would be if you choose to go about that, again, not recommending regularly, that would be the way to go about it to then not see quite a ding on performance. A hundred percent. And that's the thing that, or that is the situation that I like to look at now. It's like, cool. Like same thing with coffee, right? Like I no longer put coffee in until I have one, had my morning, uh, my morning poos, <laughs> make sure I shower, make sure teeth are brushed. Those normal things. But I don't put coffee until I've had food. I have done that now. Like I won't, I won't put coffee in unless I've eaten something. Interesting. And and Brooke can back me up on this is because one, we're in a we're we're sleeping, we are depriving ourselves, right? So I'm already adding stress to my system already from sleeping. And people are like, that's not true. It actually is. When you wake up, your cortisol level levels are higher. Exactly. Well, guess what coffee does to you? It elevates them. Uh huh. So that's why you're supposed to wait. Mm-hmm. And some people will make fun of me. Like I was talking to a friend of mine. She's a chiropractor and. Uh, she was asking me, she's like, why don't you drink coffee on rest days? And I was like, well, no, I drink coffee on rest days. It just, I just wait longer now instead of, you know, right away, get breakfast, get my thing in right away to coffee. I actually get my normal day in and I actually let my body naturally develop its own energy without caffeine. And once I find that normal baseline without anything in it, my body's doing its thing, I let it regulate itself right before adding anything else into it. And then from there I'll add coffee. Um, I mean, I'm 31 years old, probably in the best shape of my life right now. And and it is it through physical fitness, it's through making these 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 you know these these how do you say it? these like they're routines? Micro shifts. They're micro shifts. I'm not changing anything in my life. I didn't get rid of coffee. I just put things in front of it. Right. Like if I was drinking beer, I would be like, cool. I'm gonna have a beer the day before my rest day, or I'm gonna have it whatever else, or I know I have a little bit lower day, or if I'm gonna have a glass of wine. Right. Like I'm gonna do those things after I've set myself up for success. And I think that's the key word right there: setting yourself up for success. Well, it's probably the case that the higher on the ladder of elite athleticism that you climb, the harder it's going to be to chip away at the barriers you're trying to cross. So things like enjoying a beer in the evening or ensuring that your first meal is done away with before you have your coffee. I mean, those are probably the things that you need to be paying attention to. Yeah. And all the people that are, you know, sending us questions about the teams or are frustrated with their progress that have not addressed these things, this is for you. And, and I go for it. Sorry. Bro. So one of the things I want to bring up is a lot of times people be like, oh, my goal is to change my body composition. I'm not losing fat the way I want. I'm not seeing things move the way I want. Stop drinking I, beer, you goddamn son of a bitch. Li- seriously, that's exactly it. I'm like, well, are you drinking? Because if you eliminate drinking, probably going to be right on track. Mm-hmm. To put it in perspective, alcohol has seven calories per gram. The average drink and mind you, all these fancy-ass craft beers are not the average drink, you're going to have 14 grams of alcohol. So nice. what's 14 times 7? 98. That's 98 mm-hmm. extra calories just from alcohol. Yep. You're not talking about all the carbs in it and all these other things. So a nice craft beer, which was my favorite thing ever, that's like 300 calories you're looking at. Some of one them. beer. One beer. And that's and like 16 ounces. One. You're not having one. No. So that all adds up. So not only is that affecting your performance and hindering you that way, but then you're having all these calories that essentially are empty which is a jargon term, but it's uh, basically like there's no nutrient. Alcohol is alcohol. What That's happens? It. It's not like protein or carbs. What happens to that 900 calories of craft beer that you drink in? in yeah, what does happen to training? it? Just like anything else, anything extra that you don't need is stored as fat. Any calorie that you don't need is stored as fat. 
your body's going to try and clear the alcohol first and then you're going to ha- already have met your calorie quota and then it's just going to store everything else that should have been your awesome yeah. meal. It's just going to be stored as fat, anything extra. When that brings us, brings me to this point, energy. We are, we are a species of energy, right? And you can say it however you want. But the thing is, though, is like to use our metabolism to break down food, that is energy. To go ahead and sit here and talk to you guys, that is energy, right? If we are utilizing energy to break down alcohol and trying to lose weight at the same time, we have just taken away that extra energy that can go into cognitive function, can go into breaking down healthy foods, right? You just stress the system out to where it increases your energy output in terms of burning food to where now you can't utilize the energy that should have been there for mm. your nutrients that you, that would have given you the performance that you wanted, right? That's that's the thing there, right? It's like, oh, energy, huh? I never thought about that, right? It's like, and it's funny you bring that up, right? Is when we talk about taking alcohol to someone's diet. It's the same thing too as taking infl- uh, inflammation type foods or high acidic foods in your diet and taking them out and putting in more higher alkaline di- uh, foods and stuff like that. You've lowered stress in the system, which now means we have a little bit more energy now to focus on elsewhere or to help get those nutrients where you want it. Um, I got made fun of because Brooke, I, I went, I went vegetarian for what, four weeks? I think it was, I went for, I went vegetarian for like four or six weeks. Why? Uh, you obviously, Brooke, we got to tell Christian the kind of person that I am. He uses his body as an experiment, which I love because it's some great anecdotal evidence. But um, the vegetarian diet, I honestly think you're going to start to see more plant-based diet athletes. I really want to watch that new documentary that Arnold Schwarzenegger did. Uh-huh. Came out last month. Haven't watched it, but I think you're going to see that be more common because in my opinion, we're overstressing protein and we're not giving carbs enough credit. So if you can get some really good plant-based proteins and the carbohydrates, you'll still see incredible gains. I have a lot of uh, people I know that are vegan athletes. And so it's really cool to kind of watch that how that works. It's well, when I went vegan and the reason why I did was because I was trying to see how well I can recover because I was in a high volume of miles and invert for one of my races. And I was like, I need to recover. I need to recover. The goal is recovery, right? I was like, all right, cool. I'm cutting out. Like, obviously I didn't drink alcohol, but if I was drinking alcohol, alcohol would have been cut out other things. And I was like, well, how can I get energy to go and help with recovery and not so much in my metabolic state? And I was like, well, let me go and cut out all red meats. Okay, cool. Let me go and cut out, you know, high acidic type foods and go more with, you know, plant-based wise. I felt the best, but I also noticed that I was lacking. I, I, I was, I was missing something and it was protein. And so now I eat shrimp and chicken only mm. and I'll put in red meat maybe once a week and that is it. And then, you know, I, I enjoy, you know, carbohydrates and I enjoy fats and I'm probably the leanest I've been since I was 21. I like how you look at your watch. How old am I? <laughs> yeah. Well, and recovery is probably recovery. So I'd imagine that that would work just as well doing endurance sports as it would in any other. In strength arena. sports as well. Okay. Well, I think the key is you listen to your body and what was reacting and you started pulling things in and out to decide, hey, this protein source is best for me. I function better with more carbohydrates that are plant-based. That's the key is really just being in tune with what's going on in your own body. Yeah. Cause everyone's looking for this optimal human diet, right? Everyone's looking for, Hey, what is the optimal diet for myself? And it's like, well, the only way you find that out is through trial and error, right? Mm-hmm. Like you dig your own hole and you put yourself in, in the grave six feet down and figure it out. Like, yeah, we're here to teach you those things, but the only way you're going to understand is by doing. And I think 
the problem that people have with alcohol and nutrition and, and, and performance is the fact that they're always looking for the instant gratification of it, right? It's like, cool, I'm going to do a keto diet. And we've done, we went through the keto fad a couple of podcast, a long podcasts ago. We saw the carnival diet come out. We saw all these different things. And now we're starting to see plant-based diets come around, Ooh. right? We're starting to see plant-based diets come around. Yeah. And I think we're going to end up start seeing a lot of individuals who are going to find what works well for them. And that's interesting. And I, you know, I've, I've said this before, but since we're talking about alcohol and experimenting with your diet and everything, not everyone has what it takes mindset wise to become what they want to become. And so it like that, that was always a point of frustration for me when I was coaching and trying to get people to adopt these things. And I, I think from their side um, a, a lot of coaching, especially when you talk about abstaining from alcohol, it it really does start to sound like a abstinence only sex education program in junior <laughs> high school. Like, you know, like that's great. So it's, it's, yeah. but a big huge part of some gym culture is drinking yep. and partying, mm-hmm. and like that I've social aspect. Yeah, I did too. So me it's like, too. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm it's my, weird. Yeah, my very first CrossFit gym that I like learned and was in. All we did was party every weekend. Yeah. Yep. That's all we did. And it was like, man, I never realized how much I was hindering. Like, again, like I said, I'm this fitness coach trying to teach people how to do things, but I'm sitting here putting down vodka waters, vodka limes, and everything yeah. else like that. Well, and an, an important part of CrossFit is making that professional, personal boundary line really, really fuzzy. Yeah. Like, that, I feel like, is the recipe to keep your retention up. Yeah. Which... And- in, in, in general, yeah, too. I know. That's like, that should be like a whole business management uh, podcast because yeah, I got a lot yeah. of opinions on that. Yeah. But when we go ahead and look at the strength conditioning world as a whole, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, we're not a CrossFit company. We are a right. strength conditioning human performance company. And yeah. I will say that again. We are a strength, condi- strength and conditioning company that's human performance that encompasses everything. Right. And that's what we have to look at now. Because, again, chronic effects of alcohol, Brooke, like that's that's something that a lot of people don't think they have a problem with, right? It's like, oh, I had four beers tonight. I had four beers last night. I had four beers the night before that. I had four beers before that. And it's like, holy fuck, dude, you have a problem. And realistically, mm-hmm. do you have a problem? No, that might just be a normal thing for you, right? You come off, you get off of work, you're stressed. You want to come home. You want to have a couple beers at night. You want to go and take a couple shots of whiskey. You want to do whatever else because it helps you sleep. Well, a lot of people, it's <laughs> we, we got a, we got too. another cure for that. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people True. will say um, alcohol helps me sleep or it's a relaxing thing you can develop other routines that are better for you that's a a part of whatever it takes for you to wind down after a stressful day and if you're in a fucking job where when you get home you have to drink yourself to sleep you need to address other problems Thank you. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> that, Sorry. That, Sorry. Agreed. That no, was seriously. amazing. That no. was God. welcome to the side of the podcast where we are just going to tell you how we feel. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not what we were supposed to do? <laughs> it, but it's true, right? Like that's the problem, right? It's like there's other, there's other factors, underlying factors that we see that are pinning you down, not just the booze, right? The booze is yeah. just the pinnacle that led you there. I probably, I interrupted you, Brooke. No, with, with please. That. Okay. Well, you're fine. When I first came on the podcast, Oh man, I don't even know. I guess I've been here two over two years. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk. There would be podcasts where I sat there and I didn't say a word. And Doug's like, why are you talking? Why are you so quiet? I'm like, cause I can't fucking get a word in edgewise with this crew. So don't worry. I she can hold now, my own now. She now yeah. has, <laughs> has adapted <laughs> to the environment. <laughs> Softleads taught me one thing. It's how to be adaptable. Yep. So lead us into that, Brooke, right? Like the chronic effects, right? Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, 
just immediate, what you're going to start to see with alcohol use is going to affect your motor skills, your hydration status, your aerobic performance. One thing about alcohol is it's depressing your immune system. So when you're doing this over a course of time, you're increasing your risk of injury. You're going to be prolonging that healing process. If you've got some type of injury going on as we age, this also gets harder. There's a lot of different factors that affect how alcohol is going to affect your body. It's dose dependent, obviously, but how, how much do you weigh? How old are you? What's your tolerance like your gender? All these different things play a role. But I think the biggest thing that's eye opening to me is immediately it will affect you. And then if you continue this over time and you're depressing your immune system, you're going to see a slew of other problems. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the vitamin D thing because, you know, I now take vitamin D3 every morning. A lot of adults need it. Yeah. And it's, and, it, and, and I've actually, and we've talked about it before, I've seen a lot of things increase in terms of overall quality of life with increasing my vitamin D. Sex drives higher, inflammation's down, my immune system's 10 times better. Um, you know, the list can go on. And I'm going to pick some up on my way home. No, yeah, dude, it, um, it, it's amazing. I'll yeah. go ahead and... So did you get your levels tested to see where all your micronutrients are? Or was this something you kind of felt like you saw the signs? And I felt like I saw the signs of okay. it all. Um, and, and it was because of the fact that I was getting sick more than I usually do. And I was like, how am I getting sick? Like I'm training, I'm eating clean. Like, why am I keep getting sick? Obviously, as you start having kids around you and everything else like that, like you're prone to sickness, right? Like that's just a thing. So I was like, I need to find a way out, a way to do this. And vitamin D3 has been the go-to. Um, Chris Way, if anybody knows who Chris Way, he's been on podcasts on the Dead Living Podcast. He actually is the one that recommended it to me because he was like, you're sick again, bro? And I was like, yeah, man. He was like, dude. Because again, if everyone knows Chris Way, he does a bunch of ultra endurance and sniping and like sniping competitions. I did. I, I've done a couple of go rocks with him in Colorado. I hadn't, I didn't know who he was at the time. This was like in 2010 uh -huh. when I was cherry fuck. Before I joined the army and realized how <laughs> shitty rucking was. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like I went that way and ever since then, like I've been able to, you know, keep my immune system on a very, you know, level base. Like, do I get and, and do I get sick? Have I been sick? Yeah, I have. But it's like, cool. It's not like where it was like every four or eight weeks that people actually yeah. see. Right. Like I've even, in, I've even prescribed vitamin, like me not prescribing it because I'm not a doctor, but I've, I've advised and recommended yeah. individuals like, Hey, jump on some vitamin D3. You might enjoy it. It might help you out. And all of a sudden they're taking it and they're, they're seeing huge, huge quality of life increases because of that. Well, one of the best things I ever did to myself that I want to recommend everyone do is to go get your blood work done to test a lot of those micronutrient levels. A lot of it's going to be covered by insurance. If you have insurance, you might have to pay a little out of pocket depending on just how big that blood work panel is. But best thing I ever did for myself because I thought oh, I'm eating well, my diet's really balanced. I'm out in the sun. Don't, you know, I don't know if anything's right or wrong. I had other issues. It wasn't initially like, oh, I have a nutrient deficiency. What I found out is I'm not absorbing and using certain nutrients the way I should. So I had these weird deficiencies yeah. related to other things, even though I thought, well, in my diet, I'm getting all this. So then I started supplementing based on my blood work panel to try and catch up to some of these nutrient deficiencies. I would have never known that unless I would have got blood work done. And will just any PCM do that? Yeah. I would yeah. just, a I would just ask. It's not going to be a part of your like yearly physical. They're going to do all your, your complete metabolic panel, hopefully, which ask for that as well. 
every year if they are not already doing that, just so that you have a baseline of like, where's my fasting glucose? Like you can have all these numbers of cholesterol because even though you might be young and healthy now, that's going to change. And you want to have a good baseline as you age to then see, all right, what's happening? How is age and my lifestyle changing these factors? And you can notice trends. And, it, and a really cool thing, too, behind that is, right, is like, you know, especially if you're uh, an athlete who does endurance and strength work, right? Like, you want to find yourself in the middle of being aerobically not deficient, right? And be able to understand, hey, like, when does my body start utilizing carbohydrates and when does my body stay in a fat burning process, right? Because when we look at it, endurance is a metabolic sport. So, certain heart rates will promote certain types of energy or fuel being used, right? Some people, most individuals that are aerobically deficient, you go ahead and have them start, get on a treadmill and get their heart rates to 130 and you start poking them with blood, you'll start seeing that they're going to start utilizing glycogen, Hmm. right? Compared to someone like me, where you put me on the treadmill and I get my heart rate up to like a 140, then I can start seeing that it starts changing from utilizing fats as fuel to, 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 to utilizing glycogen. And that right there, it goes back to the alcohol consumption again, right? Because... Now we start talking about, well, are you fat adapted or are you carbohydrate dependent? Hmm. Right? Like, so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, cool, if you're trying to become an endurance athlete, you're trying to get ready for a selection and you need to be more aerobic, putting in alcohol is not going to help you out because you are just taken away. Again, I've said it before, you're taken away from what you want to do. When we look at the strength world, yes, do we want to be carb dependent as a strength athlete? Sure. But we can also utilize fats as, as fuel when we're not training. Right. And that is where we actually start seeing ourselves lose weight and lean out. Right. Is, is, yeah. Well, the body will naturally switch energy systems and it uses all these energy systems. It's not, um, diet definitely plays a role, but your body's going to naturally switch energy systems. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times they crisscross. It's not yep. as simple as like, oh, I'm, I'm all fat, I'm all yeah. carb. Um, well, I feel yeah. like we got down this vitamin D rabbit hole without clarifying why alcohol affects that. So I just want to touch oh, yeah, back on that do. real quick before we. Tangents. chase that bunny too far is your liver. We haven't talked about that yet, but nope. the effects of alcohol on your liver, your liver does a lot more than just process toxins out of the body. And when the liver cells become inefficient, it's not going to activate that vitamin D. It's also going to destroy the B6 like other vitamins that cause alcohol is a toxin. It's not going to allow your liver to do a lot of these natural processes it needs. And that's when you'll start to have these deficiencies. It's the intestinal lining and it's the liver that end up being damaged. And you're going to see these drops in certain things. And then that's when you go hang a banana bag. Usually Mm. that's why they call them that. They've got these, it has like a hue to it too, because it's got all these vitamins that you need that alcohol is depressing. You mentioned the, just like uh, we, decrease the lack of breaking down vitamin B6, right? Like it, it just destroys it, in which we understand vitamin, the B vitamins produce energy for us and give us that. And it, it, it makes sense now that I think back, it I was like, man, I remember when I used to drink so much that I used to have no energy to do fucking thing. Well, they're a huge cofactor in all these energy processes. And I think people, little things you wouldn't think about. If you're someone who is really tired and you're having headaches and you're not sleeping well, it could be something as simple as a nutrient deficiency, not allowing things to occur. That's why when you you should pay attention to things when you're fatigued, something's wrong. These little indicators, you know, can be fixed pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. So how it, 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 like, I, I know supplementation is something you do when you have a nutrient deficiency, but how do you fix your metabolic process so that it starts picking these things up back in your food? 
I mean, is that is that a thing? Well, a big thing is if you're someone who's been consistently and chronically using alcohol, it's going to take a while for your gut lining to heal. heal. Yeah. And then it will go back, hopefully, depends on really the dose and the timeline, you know, of what you've been, how you've been drinking. But the body's pretty resilient. So if then you stop drinking, you're pulling that out and you're allowing the gut lining to heal, you'll be able to absorb those nutrients again for mm. most people. Yeah. And then like doing the right things prior, right? Like get rid of the alcohol and be like, all right, cool. Let me increase vitamin D. Let me go ahead and now focus on more of a higher nutrient type diet. Let me cut back on the higher acidic foods. Right. So I can let my gut heal because again, though, you know, you, you, you need that gut to heal so that you can absorb all the nutrients, right? Like it, it, yeah. it's the same problem now, even with people having strong reactions to food and in my opinion, it has to do with how we've over-processed and added all this crap to food. You see so many more people reacting to gluten, and that's because they will add straight-up gluten into bread. Mm. They'll add these things back into products because what they're doing is they're trying to speed up the process to mass-produce food, but then they want to have it have the same taste or texture, so they'll add crap back in, and they're not allowing bread to leaven like mm -hmm. it used to, and these nutrients to develop. Because while that yeast and everything and the bread's rising, there's things that are occurring that change the food. So to sit there and try and crank out a loaf of bread in under an hour and think it's going to have the same nutrient profile is crazy. But then food companies are trying to make up with that and they add all this junk that I think our bodies are reacting to. Yeah. It's really more about processed food to me, which is why I think most of what you buy should be fresh food. And when and there's nothing wrong with bread, I would just recommend finding a really good bakery that makes real bread. Mm. If we were to go ahead and put bread on a scale of one to three, which is the best, sourdough, wheat, or white? All of those have benefit. There's benefit to sourdough if you prefer that, but also those whole grains are are really beneficial too. I would just say add variety. Like everything else we kind of preach, variety in the diet means you're going to get a variety of nutrients in a variety of different ways, and that's best for the body. But what's happening is we're putting all these things into our system. Even if you are just stressed out, you are stressing out the gut lining, you're stressing out the system, and you're not going to absorb nutrients in the way you should. So it's not even just alcohol. It's this mental part that we mentioned. It's all these other things that we need to consider. It's a snowball effect or an avalanche effect, if you like. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. So it is. So when we talk about habits, right, let's say, we, you know, people that listen to this, I'm pretty sure people do drink regularly right and like you know you said it best brooke you know uh, the effects of alcohol right there the variables vary for everybody right the variables the change and everything change and there is not a one size fit all right or, or there is and, and and if it is it's by you figuring out how you perform and feel off of utilizing alcohol and training and, and quality of life right recommendation is one one cup for ladies, two for guys, right? Is that what you said? It's a average of one drink a day. Yeah, one drink a day. Yeah, for women, two for men. Two for men. So that kind of goes into the idea of like, well, okay, cool. Like you can still have three ounces of wine. Only two cups of mild poison. <laughs> so that's the thing, right? It's like, hey, how about you have two ounces of wine with dinner? There's nothing wrong with okay, that. Two ounces is like a shot glass full of wine. So realistically, when we sit down and pour a glass of wine, we're already drinking two servings of wine. Mm -hmm. And two ounces in the wreck, I forget. Unless, I want to say it's like four ounces. Unless you were me head. back in the day where I used to drink out of my brown bag in my, in my <laughs> oh, Subway 32 no. ounce cup. <laughs> I, call the, I call the glass of wine I pour my big girl glass. 
and it's probably two to three servings in one glass. Uh, but, oh, I, okay. I mean, that's what most people do. We're just pouring. We're not measuring four ounces of wine or whatever the wreck is. So I, I got something. Um, when my father was first diagnosed with cancer in 2012, he uh, uh, he he went the alternative route, and he's still alive. He's just um, that's that's like a whole other story. But when he was getting counseling for his macrobiotic diet, uh, you know, my dad used to enjoy beer, but his uh, dietitian said no more beer. But what you can do is have a shot of tequila with like a twist of lime and you know two parts apple juice to to your tequila. And if you know if you must drink, drink that. Huh. And uh, gin, they said, was also appropriate. Why? I wish I knew the answer the, to that. I'm going to give, this is, again, just for me diving down rabbit holes. When I feel better after I drink tequila. So tequila too. is actually a plant-based alcohol. They use a plant. Is, yeah. They is, right? I don't know about gin, but tequila is actually a plant-based. Gin is juniper berry. Okay, cool. So yeah. it's, another, it's, it's another form of plant, right? Mm-hmm. So there's not really that much processes of it in terms of like when we look at vodka, when we look at bourbon, when we look at whiskeys and all those other things, right? Like it's a plant. So it doesn't affect you as well. And what's really cool when to hear those that, others are grain-based. Yes, right. versus plant-based te- tequila, which is uh, agave or mm-hmm. um, that's interesting. Yeah, like again, you can fact check me on that, but that's I've read that that tequila is a plant-based alcohol, which is why it has less effects on people now. Consumed at a high rate is not smart. I, I I'm Mexican or Hispanic. Sorry, I'm Hispanic, and I love me some tequila. I don't touch it anymore because <laughs> it makes me become a it gets me out of my cocoon and turns me into a butterfly. Oh my god! I everyone. can't imagine George out of a cocoon. What are you talking about? If, you're always a butterfly. What is no. tequila butterfly? Again, if you know me and you're listening to this podcast and you see me on tequila, you know. <laughs> well, and if if you say the word tequila in front of a group of women, there's always one. Who's like, oh my God, if you give me tequila, I will just suck all the dicks in the room. (laughs) I will take off all my clothes and just start. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Honestly, that's uh, anecdotal experience, obviously. (laughs) That has been 100% of the time. Yes. Are you gay white gold wasted? (sighs) White girl wasted. That's why the prescription is one for ladies, two for men. (laughs) All right. That's a real thing. I want to talk about the difference of what happens before exercise, like if you drink before and if you drink after, Yeah, because I think that's important. I think drinking before isn't as common unless you're George doing crazy crown royal races, but exercise depresses our central nervous system. So we talked about how it's going to mess up your coordination and your motor skills and all that stuff. But then that means delayed reaction, diminished judgment, like Christians gave us that exact example of diminished judgment, um, (laughs) impaired balance. (laughs) And then, um, all of that's going to decrease performance. The other big thing is dehydration. Alcohol will dehydrate the body. Um, it's not like this immediate dehydration people think, but what happens is it causes frequent urination. So that's what's really happening. It's not like, Oh, it's sucking all the water out of me. It's actually causes you to urinate more than you're dehydrated. So, if you're working out dehydrated, just that alone without alcohol, huge decrease in performance. Mm-hmm. So this is where we get the Softleet Dietitian certified <laughs> hangover cure. I wish I had it. It's really just to be hydrated. <laughs> That's another topic that I think is worth talking about. George already mentioned it. Do you power through a hangover? In my opinion, no. no. You don't power through a hangover. You rehydrate and you rest 
and you eat some good food. Mm-hmm. I used to... Back in the old days, I used to, another old school story, back uh, when I was like 16 years old, I was a lifeguard down in San Antonio, Texas for Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. And if anybody was a prior lifeguard, understands how hard people rage. Um, and I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm saying this, that I was on, on, on shift, hungover. Um, but the thing that I used to go to, it was Gatorade and a Snickers bar, was my recovery um, my recovery nutrition the Sugar next day and mm. electrolytes. Yeah, it was and Snickers has all all the food groups, protein, <laughs> fats and carbs. And it's fucking delicious. Jesus. <laughs> I still eat a Snickers bar at least once every month. I don't well, care. Keep That's yourself great. limber, you know? Yeah, but the thing is, it was like, I used to, yeah, exactly, right? Electrolytes and sugar was my go-to fix. Now it's, like, again, I haven't, like, I don't drink like that anymore, but if I was to, it would now be like, all right, I'm going to pound as much water as possible, electrolytes, and I'm going to avoid as much red meat, and I'm going to stick to, like, vegetables and fish <laughs> only, so I can let my system recover. Now, again, I understand that <laughs> the everyday person doesn't understand or know that. That's the reason why we're talking about it, but... And that is a big thing. One thing I do want to talk about real quick when you talked about what happens to you when you drink before exercise is depression. Depression on the central nervous system. And people were like, oh, depression on the central nervous system. That means that you must just get really sad. Well, what ends up happening is, is your, sympathetic, <laughs> your sympathetic state is increased, which means cortisol levels are increased, which now means you are having no energy to focus on anything. And that kind of leads me into this where we look at individuals who have depression and who turn to booze as a way to make themselves feel better. You're it's you're just driving you're just digging yourself into the hole even more and that's kind of one of those things where and, and a cool story I was at a coffee shop like 3 months ago and a, and a guy was sitting there and he looked he was a prior prior marine guy and he looked like complete shit. Complete shit. He was drinking coffee overweight, hand-trained, lost, and everything else. Like, then I sat there and talked to him for an hour. And, I like, you know, we were talking about, like, him drinking so much. And I was like, dude, how about you just cut booze out? And just, like, like he was like, I want to surf. I want to do all these things. I was like, you know what the easiest thing you can do to get into that? Was cut out alcohol. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I didn't get scientific with him. I was just like, yeah. Think about how alcohol makes you feel. Right. I was like, when you drink, how do you wake up the next morning? And he was like, um, like lethargic, tired. I want to sleep until 12. I'm like, okay, cool. Guess what you can be doing if you didn't drink the night prior, waking up at 7 a.m. You can get in California. You're five blocks from the beach. You can go and surf. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's, it's again, it's like, what is your priority in terms of like what you want to do with your life? And I think that's where, again, we don't have to look at alcohol or utilizing cannabis or doing mushrooms or doing any of those types of things as a bad thing. If you understand how to utilize it in the right way to where it doesn't hinder your quality of life. And I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark again. Mm. Absolutely. I want to dive down the rabbit hole of what happens to your body specifically with endurance performance when alcohol's in the system because this will just break down why you've never hit a PR after your drinking races. So the huge thing about why alcohol perfects your aerobic performance is it's going to slow down that citric acid cycle, which I'm having nightmares. Yeah. I'm having nightmares just thinking about biochemistry. Right. Mm. But basically what that means, we'll break it down. Barney edition is it's going to alter the metabolism of carbs and fats, which is what your body wants to use for endurance exercise. So that system is messed up. You're not going to u- utilize fuel the way you should. It also is going to increase the lactic acid. 
boom. Yeah. And lactic acid, when it builds up, is painful. I'd rather have no alcohol in my system and be able to work through that pain instead, instead of having alcohol in my system and having to work through that. Cause then I'm pretty much screwed, man. It is, it is so easy to talk like this as somebody who does not drink habitually, you know, like yeah. it's, it's really, really, really easy to talk about how awesome life is on the other side, but I don't, you know, I've like, I've never personally medicated that way. So I don't, I don't know how to, more effectively impress this upon all of you who are listening. Well, and so let's go back to the thing of we utilize alcohol to get rid of pain. Well, yeah, using it as like an urogenic aid, which has been researched and it's like there may, some people really believe there may be benefit to using it for psychological reasons. However, but, um, I think when you've got all these huge physical yeah, the, things the, the that are being physiological affected, side of things, yeah, it's like, well, I don't think that, it, the bang oh. is worth, you know, the, I don't know the right term, but I don't think it's worth it, basically. Yeah. I don't know. I, the whole thing right there, right? The thing that stands out to me is increased levels of lactate, right? Lactate acid in the system is not good for you. It's just a buildup and it, your body is obviously working 10 times harder now, more energy to go ahead and break it down and funnel it through the aerobic system, right? That's kind of just the way we can look at it there. But again, Drinking a beer, trying to run a 5K, like I talked about in the beginning of the podcast, never PR my 5K. Yeah. Never. I don't recommend drinking before exercise, period. I really don't recommend drinking after, but I know that that's unrealistic and people are going to do it. But I think we should dive into like what happens after. After. Nice. Let's do it. And I think, George, you're like the recovery master, so you probably have a lot of input on this. But the biggest problem is alcohol is going to cause you not to recover properly. You're not going to replenish your glycogen stores. In turn, you're not going to see that muscle protein synthesis upregulated. You're not going to have proper fluid balance. All of these things are going to be associated with alcohol use after exercise. And then in turn, all of those little things trickle down into affecting your recovery process negatively. Yeah. And, and that's, again, that's the, the, um, the avalanche effect, right? When we talk about that, when we go ahead and look at it, like, okay, cool. We know that it slows down every single thing in your system, right? You, you're, if you're operating at a nine, you'd go ahead and drink the night prior. You're now operating at a four. Let's just be honest, right? So that's kind of one of those things when we look at recovery, the goal is to get me back from a four back up to a nine. That's not going to happen in a day now. That's going to happen two days However, uh, however many days it takes, especially so we can take a trained individual and we can take an untrained individual, have them drink the same amount of booze, go ahead and see how the recovery looks. And then from there, we can see how fast they recover. We already know that a majority of individuals are untrained. When I talk about untrained, I mean, they, they're not a religious, they don't rigorously train or they don't have that quality of life. It's going to take them now three or four days to recover. And, and again, age, yeah. gender, all that other stuff. But understand that, yes, the more you are trained, you will recover faster from it. Right. But I also think that you will have a a a a deeper. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? You will. And if, if you're a trained athlete and you drink less and you go and put booze in, you're going to have more of an effect than the individual who is untrained who drinks all the time. Mm. Right. So it kind of goes back and forth where it's like, well, if I'm trained and I go and drink a beer, is it going to affect me as just as much as it affected an untrained athlete or is it going to affect me worse? I feel like, man, as somebody who is, I mean, like I'm, I'm a trained, you're trained I've, yeah. I've been initiated. No, no, you're, you're a trained <laughs> individual. You train a lot. You've been, you're consistently training four days a week. Let's just go yeah. ahead and define that. Let's if, go. if I drink on a Friday, I'm, I'm fucked until Monday. 
See? 100%. Yeah. You're almost more sensitive the healthier you are to certain things, it's I cr- think. Yeah. Like, I can't eat cheese pizza anymore like I used to. What? No. George. I know. You remember how much pizza I loved? Yeah. Like, I had cheese pizza. Like, I cut cheese pizza out for like four weeks, and I just had it this past week. And like Christensen, it was like me drinking a 12-pack of craft beer blew me out. <laughs> hey, I, I know how that is, man. You guys <laughs> right? are killing I have a hard it. time with that now. With your descriptors, this it's, podcast. It's this okay. But yeah, going back to that, right, is understanding. It's like, man, okay, cool. Like, I need to recover from this event of drinking booze for, you know, even if it was just one beer, I've seen people have effects of it where they're like, man, you know, and my good friend, uh, Casey Parlett, he owns a gym down in SoCal called 760 uh, CrossFit. And I've been on a podcast with him too. And he's big about that in his gym. Like if you drink and whatever else, like, and you expect to come in and train, like don't expect to train really. Oh, a hundred percent. Like my buddy Casey is that guy. Like he's been that guy forever. And I respect the hell out of him for that. Right. It's like if you booze and you do these things, like don't expect to be coming in here and performing how you are. So paid member walks in, you know, cause like on, on a Saturday morning I could smell the beer on people. Ugh. He smelled beer on you. He'd be like, yo, get the fuck out. And he wouldn't say it like that. I mean, yeah. he used to be like that, but he would sit there and be like, Hey, like you're not training and doing this training session. You're going to go on that bike over there and chill on it. Yeah. The smells, Brooke, the smells that you would smell on a Saturday morning. Oh, God. The, that's but that was not a, that's even a the thing, though, right? It. People were rage Friday night because it was a long weekend, and then they want to rage Friday night, and then they want to go ahead and get a good training session the next morning. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's p- funny. People will be like, oh, well, I went hard, but I worked out, so I'm better. I'm like, actually, you're just doing more harm than good. I mean, I've been there. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and sit on a pedestal and be like, oh, I've never drank and partied and done it. No, like I used to drink with the best of them. And I, I, and I still think I can drink with the best of them, even though I don't drink, which is why I don't drink. But it goes back to that, right? When we look at recovery and, and we keep talking about this, it's like, well, how do we recover from a day of drinking? Right. And we've, we've hit it on the head multiple times, right? Go to like, church. <laughs> <laughs> if you're using Christian's experiences <laughs> in the park, please go to church. If you're talking, right. <laughs> if we're looking at performance wise, let's go ahead and look at, okay, cool. Let's go ahead and lower, let's lower stress in the system. Right. And, and let's go ahead and focus on creating new, being aware of what we're doing the next day. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing would be to replace fluid. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's some electrolytes, which you can get through food or sports drinks, or we mentioned Pedialyte as one. And then make sure you're eating high quality carbohydrates and protein Yep. as the other. Um, My side of things performance wise is cold showers are really good for you after having, or going into a hangover. Um, cool. I've done cold showers to help out with hangovers before. And that's like gotten my system and woke me up. Um, it just helps reset the central nervous system. Um, I've done that yoga and movement work. People are yeah. like, what? Like a light movement. Super light movement. Like no more than 10 minutes, whatever else. And avoid spiking your heart rate over 120 to 130 beats per minute. Keep it lower than that. Uh, again, because then you start getting up into the higher heart rates. You start causing more stress, inducing stress. And we start seeing more problems on there. Because a lot of people would be like, oh, I drank all night last night. Let me go and crush a 60-minute run at an average heart rate of a 160. And it's like... You just fuck yourself now for the next two days. Instead of being like, oh, I drank last night, whatever else. I want to make sure I have a, I slept nine hours if I can or slept seven hours if I can. I had a good breakfast. I ate super healthy. I did all my nutrition stuff. I took a cold shower. All right, cool. Like I've done some movement work in the morning. Oh, I'm feeling better. The thing is, even so even if you are following what we're telling you to do and you're someone who's really dedicated to a training routine, you potentially still lost a day of training mm-hmm. and you're you're setting yourself back and you couldn't be making the progress 
at the same rate if mm-hmm. you weren't drinking. Yeah. So it kind of depends on what's important to you. Are you someone who's just moving for longevity? You're not a high performance athlete. It's okay to do these things. I don't want to think, I don't want people to think we're demonizing drinking. I think just like everything else I say in moderation, there's a place for just about everything that you enjoy. Cause I do think that there's a piece of mental health by not being overly restrictive as well. A hundred percent. It's just, it's finding what works for you at the same time though. Right. Is the goal is to increase quality of life. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. That's right? the crucial part. That's, and creating awareness. And yeah. I think that's so one thing I have a problem with, with the fitness industry today is everyone wants to go ahead and educate you in things, but they don't want to go ahead and teach you how to do things to develop those awarenesses and those skills to have a quality of life. Right. We see people like, Oh, go ahead and look at what I did and look at what this person's doing and look at whatever else. But it's like, well, cool. You told them how to squat. You told them how to eat. Right. But you're not talking about the skills that were developed behind the scenes to help them keep that habit. That's what's missing. And that's what we're doing here is like, again, like you said, Brooke, I'm not trying to demonize alcohol. Like if you want to put some booze down, cool. Just understand the effects that are going to have from it and the repercussions of it and how to now not reverse it, but let's get you back to your optimal quality of life within the next day and a half or two days, right? Just understand that. Like, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, if I'm going to drink for a day or have a couple of beers or a couple of glasses of wine, I'm not going to be able to perform how I want to the next two days. Now, is that a wrong way to think? No, that is me being real with myself and being like, cool, I got to make sure I have the next two days that's super clean and I'll make sure that I don't have any booze. Uh, you know what? I just realized I can't believe we haven't touched on this yet. What's that? Alcohol and sleep. <laughs> and recovery, how that fucks with you. Oh, that is another podcast, unless we want to talk about it on here. We should do a whole sleep podcast. I've... But I mean, <sighs> big thing is alcohol disrupts those restorative sleep cycles. Mm-hmm. So you might say, you know, like Christian mentioned, alcohol makes me fall asleep. Like that's an excuse a lot of people give, not that you do that. But people will say that, sure, it might help you fall asleep, but you're not actually going into the restorative deep sleep cycles that you need. No. So it's this really crappy sleep and you're not waking up fully rested. I'm going to quote this from Dr. Matthew Walker, who wrote a book on sleep. And he actually talks about the use of drugs and alcohol. And actually, when you drink, you're not actually sleeping. You don't get into REM sleep. You don't do anything. You actually are just sedating yourself. Crazy, huh? That's so true, though. That's super interesting. Yeah. So because you're sedating yourself, right? Cool thing about cannabis, because I know a lot of people utilize cannabis now, especially that we're in 2020 or 2019. <laughs> cannabis. George living in the future over here. Um, is, is this, that uh, the problem with cannabis now is you still get into REM sleep. You're just not allowed to get into that dream sleep that you want to get into. This is really interesting. So is sleep still beneficial? Because I have heard that when you use cannabis, you tend not to dream as much. Uh-huh. So yeah, but so, the sleep is still restorative. St- the sleep is still restorative. You just are not allowed to dream. So what happens if you think you have a, like a cup, right? It, the more you block that dream sleep, the more it fills up. Mm-hmm. And then as you start cutting back from utilizing cannabis, you start getting into dream sleep. You now start having everything start coming out during those dreams. That's why you ever ask someone who's like stops utilizing cannabis and tell them not to use it for four, for a month. I think Joe Rogan talked about this on a podcast. He was like, dude, my dreams were through the roof after like <laughs> after cutting out for a month, you know? And he was like that. Another thing too is you start you start with sleep and alcohol and stuff like that. Since you get into a sedative state, you actually now start becoming what's the word that I want to look for? You start um 
not hallucinations, but you, you're you're actually now walking and sleeping at the same time hmm. without realizing because your body is just shutting down that way because you haven't had sleep, right? You've just been in a sedative state. So it's kind of one of those things where it's looking at like, cool, like, well, alcohol is pretty shitty for us. Then if that's what's going to happen to us when we look at sleep, because now it's like, well, the next day now when we talk about recovering and, and awareness, it's like, well, now I probably shouldn't drink tonight because I need to get some really good sleep to have a really good week. Right. That's why it's kind of one of those things like, is it smart to drink on a Sunday night? <laughs> I mean, in society, it's a Sunday fun day drinking session. And then I remember <laughs> we talked about that yesterday. I was like, do they still do that thing out here for, you know, Sunday fun days? And of course it is. And people are like, oh, I'm done drinking by five. <laughs> it's like, unfortunately, it's still going to hinder your sleep. Right. Instead yeah. of being like, hey, I'll, I'll drink Friday. Maybe I'll drink Saturday a little bit. But Sunday is a, a day to focus on just being super healthy and, and getting myself ready for the week. Well, the what's crazy about alcohol is... It, just if, just to bring up only two topics, it dehydrates you and it messes with your sleep. Just those two things are so detrimental. And if you're not sleeping correctly, it's going to be your recovery, your energy levels, your performance, everything, mental health, like you're kind of talking about a little bit. And then in addition to those things, there's this other cascade of effects. Yeah. So that's just something to keep in mind when... It's not just, oh, I had a bad night of sleep and it's affecting my training. It's like all these things stacked up because of alcohol use. And, and, and that's another big thing too, right? Individuals who are injured. Individuals who are injured that start turning to booze, your recovery now from that injury is going to go ahead and decrease significantly. And, and that's, the, that's the thing, right? It's like, oh, I haven't recovered from my back surgery. I haven't recovered from my knee surgery. I haven't recovered from its ankle sprain. It's like, well, are you drinking? I'm kind of curious what some of the drugs they prescribe do, because I'd have to say that would interfere as well. It, it, it does, right? Like, we can talk about painkillers, and we can talk yeah. about opioids and all that good stuff. I don't know. And maybe this it doesn't. An, it doesn't. This is an interesting subject, because a lot of elite athletes who have shoulder surgery return to their sport. Seems like every person I talk to who is in their mid to late thirties and talks about how how great shape they used to be in, and then they had the surgery, and it just never quite got back to where they wanted. Yeah, man. I I think that has you can get me on another topic on that because that has to do with a lot of things. Because I'm gonna end up under the knife at some point. I have not been under the knife yet, but it's gonna happen. So I look at I look at it like this, right? Like because I, I I take I take I take pride in actually helping injured athletes and getting them moving forward, right? From a psychological standpoint to, and a physiological standpoint Good to have you around, <laughs> you know, and, and the thing that I see from that, right. Is this is the mindset that you're talking about, right? There's like, Oh, I'm getting cut into the knife. Am I going to ever be better than I was? And it's, you can actually be fucking 10 times better than what you were, but it's all about how you approach it. Right. It's like, cool. Well, I need to focus on eating cleaner. I need to do this. I need to do that. Camille LeBlanc just did a podcast with, uh, on a, the adventure stash podcast. And if you haven't, she, you know, but she went through this, went through surgery after the 2013 games came back. She's back at the games. Again, she's not a games champion anymore, but that's not because she's not better than she was when she won the games. Oh, she's still a stud. She's in 2013. Still... People were walking onto the games floor. Uh, exactly. Right. Like now we look at it and the, and the quality of, of competitor is different, but she focused so much on her mindset to get herself to in the right position, to be able to compete and do the things that she wants. Like she, she was talking about, Oh yeah, I just peered my back squat, you know, for a triple, whatever at three fifteen. you know, I wasn't doing that before my surgery and whatever, like all these things. Then you go and look back like, well, what would you do? And when she worked with the mindset coach, she worked with nutrition, she focused on her quality of life and her stress. And she focused on those things right now. Granted, everyone can't do that. 
But when we go ahead and talk about working on your mindset, working on the nutrition side, working on your quality of life, you can come back from that. You know, with you know, with Savannah who's just coming back from having a baby, you know, she was like, I'm having a baby. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get you better than that. Why? Because your quality of life. Like we're gonna have better quality. Like right now, your sleep's not great. That's cool. That doesn't mean I smash you in the gym. Yeah. But we can get you back. Same thing for you, right? Like, hey, you're gonna have shoulder surgery here soon. Cool. Guess what? Hopefully not. You know, and that's another big thing that gets me into the sports rehab and the psychological standpoint. And if you're following us on Instagram, I'm doing a series on on the stress and injury model. Three things come into play for that: is personality, stress history, and coping resources. There is there is there are inter there are connections between those three categories in terms of risk and injury. So if you have a personality that is depressed, that has competitive anxiety, um, just a high stress individual, you are more prone to injury. Stress history: if you came from an environment that was high in stress and you didn't know how to deal with it, you were prone to injury. The lack of coping resources increased stress to injury. So this goes to you now. Well, I need to take a look at what your personality is, what's your stress history like, and what coping resources do you have to handle this current event? Because once I can find that out, guess what ends up happening? I end up now being able to build a foundation I want to get you back to be better than what you were. And, and it's that simple. But again, individuals don't look at it that simple. When we look at alcohol and performance, alcohol affects sleep, it affects the psychological standpoint, it affects the physiological standpoint. It impairs your inflammatory response. It, 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 exactly, right? There's a whole bunch of, and again, I call it the avalanche effect, right? So how do we fix that? Well, it's cool. It's like, we keep talking about it, like moderation, be aware of what you're doing. And if you do drink the night prior and you have a training session the next day, you probably might not want to go in there and burn it down. Prior to the podcast, I was telling you about Charlie Francis. Yeah. Well, old school strength coach or uh, sprint coach, right? And he, he talks about the high, low, and moderate uh, uh, approach to training, right? To manage fatigue. Well, cool. If I'm drinking that night prior, my training volume intensity the next day needs to be low. Well, how do we define low? Well, it's like we talked about it already, right? Keeping your heart rate below 120, 130, movement work, don't get out and cause any more stress. Same thing with active recovery, right? We talk about we're gonna be doing something like that too soon and we have to define these things. And that's the way we look at it, right? Is being able to manage those things. I look at life also, like, did I have a high stress day? Because if I did, I need to make sure I have a low stress day the next day so I can recover from it, hmm. right? I, I can't have five back-to-back -back high stress days because then I'm, a f I'm fucked for however long, right? Like I just, whenever I teach a, a weightlifting meet, whenever I coach at a weightlifting meet for the weekend, I'm fucking, mind is done skis. Like I'm completely done for the next four days because I was in a high stress mindset, right? So it's kind of one of those things when, and that's another podcast we can talk about, but understand that like increasing alcohol into our system causes more stress, which means increasing stress means the next day now we need to focus on lower stress activities, lower stress influences to help us recover so that we can get back to training at moderate and high intensities and volume type sessions. Exactly. That's the main takeaway. It's not that you can never drink alcohol. It's be smart about what you're doing. Make sure you're listening to your body for feedback and doing engaging and drinking alcohol in a way that's moderate in moderation and appropriate for yeah. you in your life. Yeah. That's really what it's about. One of the things if, if nothing has resonated with you, we haven't touched on this yet. Alcohol use decreases your testosterone secretion, increases your cortisol. Huh. Which means estrogen increases, right? You're not going to see, not necessarily estrogen increases, okay. but 
it's just more of that testosterone cortisol ratio okay. is what is where the issue is. And you're not going to see the training adaptions you want huh. if you're chronically having low testosterone and high cortisol. You know, I, I used to be on test therapy for, f- for four years and I used to drink during that time period also. And it was, I didn't realize this until I stopped drinking and obviously got off of test therapy and all the other stuff was that I was actually hindering my test therapy from drinking. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, again, now I've been off of test now therapy, probably going on for about three years um, and don't drink at all. And again, my testosterone levels are back up and this, that has been a legit, not just from, you know, labs, but also from me <laughs> realizing Good that feeling. feeling it, right? Like, it's like, oh, I have the sex drive of a fucking 14 year old again. <laughs> you love those four H's. A hundred percent. Right. But the thing is, though, is it goes back to that. Like you said, like we hadn't hit on the head yet. The fact of your testosterone levels, most people already in, in society have low tests due to the stuff that we put into our systems, right. processed food lack of sleep, stress levels, all that stuff. Let's go and throw alcohol on top of that. Now we got a, a, a four things that are just completely crashing your testosterone. And then people come in and substitute it with test therapy. It's There's no need to do that, right? Hey, instead of going to a supplement right away, and we have a podcast coming out here soon, let's go ahead and do the things that our body naturally should be doing first, and then we supplement it afterwards, right? So it's like, hey, yeah. if you're sleeping seven, eight hours now, you're eating healthy, you're not drinking, your stress levels are low, and now you have low tests still. Now you need some help. Right. But if you go and do blood work when you're sleeping four hours a week and you're doing all these other things, then boom. Then let's not put tests into you. Let's go ahead and just fix these quality of life first. And then let's drop that in there. That's not a problem. Right. I'm not against test therapy or steroids. I think if that's going to be your thing, go for it. But let's make sure that you are doing everything else around that before you supplement that into it. Um, that's the key with anything. Start to problem solve the root cause and do what you can before you reach for some type of supplement aid in the process. You know the problem with that, though? Much less expensive. Not just that, but you know the problem is people don't like to put effort into doing things. Oh. Isn't that crazy? And and trying to go to bed early or creating a routine, trying to eat healthy and trying to do all those things is effort for people and they don't want to do it. Yeah, it's like a quick fix. People want a quick fix and they're all about pleasure. Love, but not like everyone whatever brings them pleasure. Not everyone can achieve physical excellence. But it's crazy though because now we talk about pleasure, right? And we look at alcohol and the reason why I bring this up is cuz alcohol does create pleasure for some people. Right? Like That's yeah, a real thing. It's a real thing, right? Like people feel happy from drinking. People are like, "Oh, I'm such a different person when I drink." It's like, "Well, you're increasing stress, you know, in the system and by you relaxing, your brain now is open and you're now able to like relax and be able to do things right. And everything else like that. But there's effects from that later on down the road when it's like, if you're sleeping seven hours a night or six hours a night, eating healthy, doing physical effort and doing all these things, you actually now get to experience more pleasure than you were if you're drinking. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. You might immediately feel better, but the long-term effects of alcohol really aren't worth it. If that's what your crutch is. Yeah. You know, and, and someone who's suffered from depression from multiple deployments and everything else like that, and just a whole bunch of life, life shit, you know, like, you know, again, cutting out alcohol, depression's gone away. And do I have it still sometimes? Yeah. You know, Savannah said, then be like, yeah, sometimes you do, or you just stick to yourself or whatever else. Yeah. But that's normal for me because it makes my mental health better. Right. But when I was drinking, I wasn't able to sit there and work through problems. And you said yep. that too, problem solving, right? It wasn't, I didn't have the mental capacity to sit there and work through problems. You're not allowing yourself to process a it, lot of the things that need to be processed. You're using alcohol to mask and feel immediately better instead of sitting with it, problem solving, working through it. 
and then you're going to feel much better. And, and it comes down to, would you rather have that one experience of being, having happy at the bar with your friends, or would you rather have 10 experiences down the road from focusing on the smaller things that are going to give you that increase in quality of life? I think that's the mark that a lot of people are missing. Um, and, 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 you know, with this podcast, like when we do these podcasts, it isn't here to sit to be like, oh, look how smart we are. No, it's like, hey, look, this is to help you understand how to increase your quality of life. Oh, yeah. And if... Anybody, well, I mean, I know there are people listening who have struggled with just generalized depression, and it is an awful thing. It is. And guess what? The drugs don't work to fix depression. They don't even outperform the placebo. No. Like, you have to you have to make a decision. Yeah. And, and, and again, the effort to problem solve is what scares people. Yeah, I just, if I can encourage people to do anything, it's like, find someone, find a medical provider who's willing to help you get to the root cause so you can problem solve and fix things with your lifestyle before you start reaching for quick fixes, medicine, supplements, whatever that yeah. is. And, and I, we did a post on the IG a couple of weeks ago. It was about the maintenance mindset, right? Like, hey, if you're driving the highway and your car breaks down, what do you do right away? You take it and you get fixed. Why wouldn't we do that to our mindset? Hey, like you're having a hard day today. Why don't you take the time to fix it real quick and keep moving forward? The hardest thing for me to do when I was struggling with stuff like that is to figure out what was a problem in my mindset versus, oh, this is just how everyone feels. Like you didn't have the skill set to go ahead and figure out how to problem solve. I did not know that I had a problem. Okay. I was I I was just like, oh, this is just acknowledgement. Adulthood just sucks ass, man. I There's can't. an ebb and flow where sometimes adulthood does just suck yeah. ass. Yeah. There's certain things you have to do as an adult and there's certain things that you don't have to do. Understand yeah. that's that's the key thing there, right? Is like everyone thinks as an adult you have to do all these things. It's like realistically, no, you don't. You can still say no you as can an be adult. C minus student and still do okay. <laughs> C's get degrees, buddy. <laughs> And I really hope we follow up with some more mindset podcasts because I think that th that's a rabbit hole I could dive down yeah. and over I, and over again. I'm a year out from getting my bachelor's in sports psychology. I'm super excited about it. I know. I'm so, so excited for you. That's kind of just like where I've led me to now. And, and, and it, it's cool that we can sit here and talk about the alcohol and performance, not just from a physiological side, but also from a psychological side as, as well, because that's a lack of, that's a, a piece that no one really understands is that right there. And again, all, all we're trying to do here is develop skill sets that you can take with you and create your own. I don't want you to follow and do exactly what I'm doing. Like test it out, see what works, throw it out, put it in. You have your own toolbox. Go ahead and pack it with what works for you and your lifestyle. Yeah. Cause we can sit here and read the research all we want and we can tell you what may or may not occur. But at the end of the day, it's your body and you're the one who's going to make decisions and needs to understand what's going on. Yeah. I, I really enjoy I, this has been a good podcast. And I think that, you know, if you guys do have questions for us about this or like, hey, what are some of the skill sets or skills that you're utilizing to manage this or do this, please reach out. Like, I think we're the only company that we are that open to come and talk to, you know, the individuals who are, you know, write the programming, who do the nutrition stuff, who who are in the trenches with you guys. And, and, and again, like I said, it's we're always evolving. Right. And that's one thing that, you know, I highly take pride in is stuff like this. So yeah, we're very accessible. So if there's ever questions, comments, or concerns, for we sure work reach for out. you <laughs> straight up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, 
what else is there to talk about? I mean, like, you know, we got, you, you put some notes in there already talking about it, right? Recreational trained athletes, research has found a high doses of alcohol intake after resistance exercise increased cortisol levels. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a like last thing I mentioned, but I think that, um, and these are also, these are just like really basic scratching the surface. I'm telling you the Barney edition of what's happening in your body by increasing cortisol and decreasing testosterone secretion, but there's a lot more at play. It's a lot more complicated than we make it seem. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that was a long one. That was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. the end? <laughs> the I think end? I think we're done. This is gonna, I think we could talk done. about this for hours and I'm sure we'll do another podcast and follow up on it. So I would yeah. definitely love to hear feedback from other people or if you want if you heard something we're like, "Oh, that nugget's interesting. Can we deep dive?" I'm yeah, down cuz I think too. this is a really interesting topic that could hopefully benefit a lot of people. I think any kind of external source that gets put into our system and has an effect on performance is actually very interesting. From both sides, physiological yeah. and psychological. It'd be Great. interesting to break break all this stuff down with some other stuff. Yeah, that I, you people use day to day that you feel like is inhibiting your performance. Yeah, if you guys have anything, please send them to us. We're always an open book. So, like I said, we're always looking for new topics to talk about, and it doesn't have to be something fancy. So, I'm glad you're back with us in person, live and in person, George. I know it's going to happen more. After Good. talking to dad. Good. Well, then, then we'll definitely keep cranking out the uh, the podcast because I've missed this. You're so much bigger in person. You know? <laughs> Not like you're only like nine inches tall on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye.